This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And I am coming to you from my basement, where I'm currently uh, sick with COVID, but I love you all so much that Ryan and I decided to record today anyway. Uh, so, you know, this might be a little shorter than normal, but we're sticking it out just for you. So I hope you all appreciate it. Um, no really big... Uh, football news. We're hearing a lot of rumors. We're hearing a lot of things, but nothing concrete, nothing that we feel we uh, can talk about just yet. So instead, we're going to focus this podcast on basketball, talk about Purdue's victory over Nebraska, and then look ahead to the rankings that are going to come out tomorrow, uh, Monday the 12th. But before we do that, Ryan, I've got a question for you that I think will will help folks get to know you a little better. Okay. Uh, what is your top three? What are your top three Christmas movies. I am prepared for this. Okay, okay. good, good. Number one. Wait, 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 is... wait, wait, wait. Go three oh, to one. Go three, go to, three one? to one. Okay. I want. I want to. I want to build up to number one. Okay, fair enough. Number three is Elf. Excellent choice. Mm-hmm. Topical with was... Purdue basketball. Yep, probably my favorite Will Ferrell movie. One of the top two for sure. Um, all right, number two is. I was a little kid when it came out, so it's got that extra oomph of meaning for me. Right, it's got the nostalgia. Okay, okay. So Tom Hanks is like in 70 different roles in that movie. Right, Love it. We just got that book for my son, so um, we've been reading that one a few times. Okay, nice. All right. And then number one, it is The Grinch. It is the Jim Carrey Grinch. Okay, okay. Excellent choice. I we so the reason I bring this up obviously it's Christmas season, um, but my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. Her and I did top five uh, Christmas movies, and I said that exact same Grinch was in my top five, and she was mm-hmm. like, "I just don't like that one." And I was like, "I, I like, I mean, I get it, uh, but I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan. I've always loved Jim Carrey, and I just thought that was so good. I mean, the cartoon is great as well, mm-hmm. um, but I never saw the other one." that they had with, like, Benedict Cumberbatch, I think, that just came out not long ago. Uh, never yeah, saw that saw one. Once. But it was okay. Yeah, but to me, the Jim Carrey one is great, if nothing else, <laughs> for the scene where he's talking about how he's booked full. You know, he's got all those meetings, and he can't cancel dinner with himself again. It's just a really good, uh, really good bit of acting there. One fact about that movie, in the scene where he uh, rips the tablecloth uh, from the table and all the... All the plates and stuff stay on there. Yeah. He did that by accident. Nice. He was not supposed to do that. And then obviously Jim Carrey being great ad lib just went over and knocked everything off himself. <laughs> that's good. I'll have to look I'll have to look for that next time I watch. Uh I, sure. I think I think that's a that's a top tier Christmas movie. I think the mm-hmm. only the only difference I would have um in your list, I would not have Polar Express. I think I have uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol. Uh, okay. up there in my top three 
Okay. It's uh, not the Jim Carrey Christmas. No, no, not the Jim Carrey <laughs> Christmas Carol. Um, the Muppets Christmas Carol, for those that don't know, uh, was just remastered and put on Disney Plus uh, <laughs> with the the song that they took out when they released it uh, on DVD. So now you got to go in, you can find the extras and watch the remastered version. Um, my wife loves that version so much better because. It's like the they put the song back in, which makes like the last song make sense because the last song is like a reprise of the song that they took out. So if you okay. take out that song, the reprise makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But like if you've never seen it, you're just like, oh, this is a nice little song at the end. <laughs> um, so th- those would be my top three. So I'm I'm really proud of you. You got a good list there. Um, excellent you. choices. So moving on back to Purdue while you're all here. Uh, Purdue versus Nebraska. This was, of course, on the road at Nebraska. Everything mm-hmm. looked like it was going well uh, for the first half. Purdue went up by 10 mm-hmm. going into the break. And then, oh, man, the second half did not look good. Um, Ryan, what was it about the second half? Did Nebraska do something, or did Purdue was Purdue just not able to take advantage? Um, Seemed like a little bit of both. Um. It seems that Nebraska kind of took the method that Hofstra had. Right, that you mentioned in the last pod. Yeah. Bodies. yeah, they just threw bodies at Zach Eady. And Zach Eady couldn't really go up for too many shots like he normally does. He still went five for seven on the day. But when he takes seven shots, you know he's got bodies on right. him all day. Yeah, I was going to say, he may have been five for seven, but it was only out of seven, and that's quite a change. Exactly. And then Purdue just could not shoot free throws. I think they missed three separate uh, front ends. Yeah, I believe that's right. Edie himself went one from one of four from the line. Trey Kaufman Wren went one of three. So, I mean, they shot 60% from the line at the end of the day, but that's including um, they went four for four at the very end to ice the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the biggest free throws they made, uh, I believe it was Braden Smith and Lawyer. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, was Lawyer or Newman? Oh, Newman. It was. It was Newman and Smith. That's right. Okay. That's right. Good correction. Um, so man, it was in the second half. I don't know about you, but I, I tweeted this out. It really looked like Nebraska was out there having a lot of fun. Nebraska was playing mm-hmm. loose. And Purdue was just so tight. I mean, passing up open shots, which is okay if you get a better look, but so often they were just passing around as if no one wanted to take the shot. Yeah, and speaking of having fun, that their their uh, backup point guard, what's his, uh, Tominaga. Yeah, Tominaga. That guy plays with some passion. Yeah, he had I a mean, lot of fun out there. He's fun to watch. Yeah, four for eight um, from three for him too. And I mean, he they were kept not the, easy. No, no. I mean, he kept them in that game. Um, mm-hmm. He was hitting hard shot after hard shot. And like you said, he was a lot of fun to watch. So kudos to him. But man, just it was a rough game for Purdue all around um, in that second half. You know, Nebraska just chipping away. Purdue not able to really do anything right in the last four to five minutes of that game, including one possession where Nebraska had, I think, three offensive rebounds. It was, yeah. I mean, Purdue had two defensive rebounds in their hands and then just lost them out of bounds. And, uh, I mean, when you give a team that many chances, it was amazing that Nebraska couldn't connect. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Um, yeah, it just seemed like they just couldn't capitalize on their um, possessions down the 
down the stretch. I think there was like a four or five minute stretch there where Purdue just didn't have a point. And then um, turnovers really did hurt them. I believe they had what did they have? They had 12, 12 turnovers. Yeah. Edie had five. So yeah. that's that was a rough day for Edie. And they weren't offensive fouls either. They were – he just threw out of the post and straight – uh, into the opponent's hands, it just got intercepted. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it should be noted too. Um, Purdue without Mason Gillis for a second straight game, still nursing that back injury um, from lifting weights. Uh, we don't know how serious that is. Haven't seen anything about his return date. I don't know if this was a, a game that Painter thought maybe he could have gone and just decided to hold him out or not. But uh, Purdue really needs him to come back. Uh, they missed mm. his rebounding. They missed his defense out there, I think, against this uh, Nebraska team. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, yeah, you never – it's never a good injury when it's a back. I yeah. mean, that's always yeah. nagging or reoccurring. We hope it's we hope it's as minor as they portray it to be. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a, a couple of just amazing things about this game. Zach Eady played 43 minutes. Of course, the game went into overtime. Um, mm-hmm. Purdue wins by three, but Zach Eady, 43 of 45 minutes in this game, uh, 17 rebounds. Again, he only had 11 points, but he also had seven blocks. And yeah. I mean, even when, even when Eady is not your dominant scorer, he just impacts the game so much. Um, mm-hmm. and he's really getting so much better at blocking shots and not fouling. Um, you know, he blocked a shot as the shot clock wound down so much so that Nebraska had just one second left, uh, to get the ball in. And then they put Edie over, uh, to guard the inbound, which made it that much more difficult. I believe Nebraska got a shot clock violation on that possession. Mm-hmm. So just really important that he's out there not fouling and able to stay on the floor for 43 minutes. It was kind of astounding. Yeah. Someone that size, you would not think he's going to be out there for all but two minutes of an overtime game. So it's, he's really proving how durable he is this. And you see it. This is, this was a bad game for Zach Eady and he still went for 11, 17 and seven blocks. Yeah. What do you do to defend that? Yeah. And I mean, Nebraska did a very good job defending him. But like you said, if he's still going to, on a quote off night, going to have 11, 17, and seven blocks, I mean, what can you really do as a defense? Uh, Very tough to stop him, obviously. Um, Fletcher Lawyer, it's worth pointing out, uh, was the high scorer of the game for Purdue. He had 22, including just a handful of clutch shots in the second half and overtime. Um, And a dunk. And a dunk, yeah. Uh, I believe the first one he's had all year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got hops. Yeah. Did not shoot it particularly well from deep, uh, 2 for 10, mm-hmm. but 9 of 21 overall, and he hit the big ones when it mattered. So uh, it was good to see him step up, especially when, when Edie was not uh, producing the points like he has uh, in most games this year. So kudos to Lawyer. He seems to really be stepping up as Purdue's second-leading scorer this year. So uh, we just hope to see continued improvement from him. Um we mentioned Brandon Newman. He had 22 points, off, or sorry, 22 minutes off the bench. Uh, only four points, but hit two big free throws, and he was in there to grab seven rebounds. So he made his presence felt. But again, this is a team that they're they're very deep. Uh, but we do miss uh, Mason Gillis. Um, mm-hmm. I think him returning would have made this game. Uh, you know, assuming he comes back and came back healthy, this game would not have been as close as it was. 
Right, absolutely. So anybody else in this game that stood out to you or anything you want to mention before we take our break? Um, well, I was. what were your thoughts on the final possession before overtime? You know my thoughts. Play? You know my I, thoughts. I do, but I want the nation to know okay, your Okay, so I tweeted this out, and like half the people agreed with me, and half the people dragged me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> some people were like, clearly you never played basketball. Um, and I was like, hey, excuse me, sir, I played basketball up until sixth grade, uh, and then I was cut from my seventh grade team, thank you very much. They cut in seventh grade? Yeah, they did, they did. Mm. Uh, and what makes matters worse, and I'm not too proud to say this, because I, uh, I don't think anybody's going to judge me, I got cut twice from my seventh grade team, uh, and you're asking yourself, Andrew, how is that possible? Well, I'll tell you, Ryan, thank you for asking. So, didn't make the team the first time. They had a second round of tryouts because they needed one more player. Didn't make it again. <laughs> oh wow! Oh. So so that was a that was a tough day in the Ledman household when you get cut yeah. the second time. That was the end of my basketball career. Did not even try out in eighth grade. Uh, I think I took the hint. Took the hint. So <laughs> at the end of regulation, Purdue had I believe nine point one seconds left. Um, Brain, Braden Smith took the ball down. Um, it, it, I mean, it was clearly a designed play. He drove uh, to the hoop. They kind of collapsed on him. He jumped in the air. It looked like he had a floater he could have shot. Instead, he passes it to Lawyer in the corner for a wide-open three. And to be clear, Lawyer was absolutely wide open, no one close to him. It really was the perfect shot. I mean, that's what you want for what a guy you consider your best three-point shooter. He missed. Game goes to overtime. I understand. I, I want to be clear. I understand that's the play that was drawn up, and it was most likely told to Braden Smith, if it's open for you, take it. If it's mm-hmm. not, and you see Lawyer in the corner, give it to him. So I understand that. That's probably how it was drawn up. Smith likely did the right thing because it would have been a contested floater. It would have been a little tougher. You pass it over to your sharpshooter in the corner and allow him to get the open three. However, you also have on the floor a seven foot four guy. <laughs> Nebraska is in the double bonus. It is a tie ball game. You need one point. Why not run something, draw something up to get the ball to your seven foot four guy in the post? You got nine seconds. Get in the ball. Have him go up. He's either going to make it or he's going to get fouled. That seems like a higher percentage shot for me. But I understand that's not what they drew up. Ultimately, it worked out because Purdue won it in overtime. But that is not the play I would have run. Do you agree with me or disagree with me? No, I agree. I, I when I first saw it, thought the first look for Braden Smith was going to be all right. Get a lane, get to the basket. He has shown the ability to get that high, um, high kiss off the glass throughout this season. So I thought that was the first idea. And then obviously when lawyers. Defender collapsed on him, get it out to Fletcher Lawyer. Like you said, he was wide open. That's usually a pretty good shot for one of the best shooters on the team. Right. But but I agree. Like, if you had the lane, just go with Zach Eady, throw the ball up. If you make it with that kiss off the glass, you get points. If not, Zach Eady's there to clean it up. He'll do something, so... Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of layers to it. So I wasn't dissatisfied with the play. I just think it was kind of like a middle ground idea. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it, it is interesting because, you know, it, like I said, they got the points in overtime. They won the game. So ultimately it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But if it were me and I'm Coach Painter, I'm drawing up a play to get it to my seven foot four guy. That's just me. That's what I'm doing. But maybe Coach Painter's saving it for later. Yeah. Well, he also doesn't want know, to give up the film. He also makes a little more than I do uh, to do these things. So same here. Know, yeah. Uh, you got to trust him a little bit, but it's just my preference. So I know half the people who listen to this will probably agree with me. Half the other people will will think that I'm an idiot and I've never watched a basketball game in my life. Um, the I will say some of the people who are saying I've never you know watched basketball in my life or have a low basketball IQ were like. We're like, Edie was double teamed. It's like, yes, I know that. I'm saying you draw up a different play. I'm not saying force the ball into him and cause a turnover. I'm saying clearly Matt Painter is smart enough to draw up a play with some action to get the ball to Zach Edie. You mm-hmm. know, he, he's done this before. So in my scenario, I'm saying you run a completely different set. So I just want that to be clear before we move on. Yep. There we go. All right. Crystal. Good, good. We're going to take a break, come back, and I want to talk about rankings and Purdue fans when we come back. And we are back. So, as I teased uh, before we went to break there, I want to talk about the AP Top 25, uh, the ranking that Purdue has, and the ranking they may get come Monday. Uh, But more importantly, I want to talk about the reaction from a lot of Purdue fans. Um, I might be a little mean to a lot of Purdue fans here shortly, but before we get into that part of this segment... Uh, Purdue currently, uh, can you tell us where they are in the rankings right now, Ryan, and who is above us? So right now in both the AP and the coaches, they are at number four. Number three is Virginia. Number two is Texas. Number one is Houston Now on both lists. And okay, and those, this is of course from last Monday, uh, so that would be December 5th. New rankings come out tomorrow, December 12th, or today when you're listening to this. Uh, what have those four teams done uh, since these rankings came out? All right. So number one, Houston. Have they played twice? I don't know if they played twice. But number one, Houston has lost to number eight, Alabama, at home. Okay. So you would Texas, think that you would think that would knock them out of the number one spot, most likely. I would assume so. Texas has lost a neutral site game to number seventeen, Illinois. And they beat I, one of the small Arkansas Pine Bluff, I think, by like 40. So they did that too. And Virginia only played once this week. They beat James Madison at home by five. Ew. Powerhouse James Madison, though, right? Oh, seven and three James Madison. <laughs> so. And then meanwhile, of course, we already know what Purdue did. Um, so no right. need to rehash that. Uh, we just talked about it. So come Monday... Where do you think Purdue will land on this top 25? Because uh, I, for those who don't actually you know, go and look at the top 25, Purdue received eight first-place votes, whereas number three, Virginia, who, again, as Ryan just said, did not lose this week, whereas number one and number two did, received three first-place votes. Purdue was five points behind them uh, in this last week ranking. Mm-hmm. So I think that come tomorrow or Monday, the that Purdue has a really good shot at its second-ever number one ranking. I agree. I think they'll be number one. 
That is in serious hopes that people don't start seeing UConn as the top contender, who's sitting at number five as well. Right. But considering number one and number two both lost, Virginia barely won at home, and Purdue took care of Nebraska ball on the road, a Nebraska ball team that beat Creighton on the road. Exactly. Within the last two weeks, I think you just... You have to look at it like Purdue's going to hop those three teams. I think absolutely my opinion is number one, but I think I'd still be happy at number two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would be too. Um, But I think if you look at whole body of work, I think those teams uh, above us, Purdue should leapfrog all of them. I think Purdue should be number one come Monday. I'm expecting all, I'm basically expecting us to be number two and we'll be surprised if we are number one. Um, it would be great for the program to have back-to-back seasons where Purdue is number one ranked. I mean, mm-hmm. that is just not up for debate. And here's where I'm going to come after a lot of Purdue fans. So as you know, I run the site Twitter account and when stuff like this happens, you know, you put out a poll, you talk about it because, you know, you want to get engagement, you want to see how the fans are feeling about things. So invariably, inevitably, any time I mention rankings and basketball, Purdue Mm -hmm. fans just get so freaked out and so whiny. It's always, I'd rather be unranked. I don't want to talk about it. Let's not, let's just play one game at a time. Let, you know, we're worse when we're ranked high. We don't need a target on our back. Uh, Excuse me. Do you think a target on your back is going to be any bigger if you're number one versus number four? Like, do, is anybody coming into Mackey Arena going, oh, I'm not worried about them. They're number four. Like, come on. Right. We If, if we want to be an elite basketball program, if we want to be a team that gets top recruits, if we want to be a team that challenges for the NCAA tournament title, we have got mm-hmm. to stop with this woe is me, I'm scared to get attention attitude as fans. Yeah, and, you know, it's only happened once before. Obviously, our track record of being number one, not the greatest. Yeah, exactly. However, but one time. how do you flip the script without doing it again? Yeah. You know, Purdue's going to play Davidson later this week. They're a formidable opponent, so if you get up to number one, take care of business with uh, Davidson, and there you go. You're batting 500. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, I can't imagine, like, <laughs> the odds of Purdue going to number one and then losing on a half-court shot again, that would just be wild. I think those odds would be astronomical. Yeah, the game's not at the rack, so we're good. Yeah, yeah. In fact, the game the is game in Indy, so. Um, I mean, I just, I, I want Purdue fans to be more confident. I want them to be comfortable with the fact that we are a good <laughs> basketball team, we've beat good teams, and we deserve a number one ranking. We deserve it. Because of what we've done on the floor, you know, somebody, somebody mm-hmm. said, um, you know, we, we came into this season with low expectations and expectations rose when we got ranked. No, they didn't. Expectations rose when we went out to Portland and won a bunch of games against really good teams. Like mm-hmm. our expectations rose because of the product on the floor, not because of some stupid little number next to our name. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I think Purdue has had the, ever since the Phil Knight, they've had the best um, resume in college basketball. The only people, or only team that might be able to uh, contend with that right now is Alabama, who has actually beaten the number one team in the country twice oh, wow. so far this year. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I mean, one of them is North Carolina, though. Which, North yeah. Carolina has gone downhill fast. Yeah, they so. really fell. Are they, they're not, they weren't even in the last rankings, were they? No. Yeah, they no, fell out they entirely. Not 
So, I mean, that's still impressive on Alabama's part. You got to play who's in front of you. Yeah, right. You play who you who you got on your schedule, when they're ranked, you know, what they're ranked. You can't do anything else. Exactly. But for all intents and purposes, Purdue has the best resume, and they've had it for a couple weeks. So, if you're going to say they have a target on their back, of course they're going to have a target on their back. I mean, Purdue is going into probably one of the best streaks of basketball it's had ever in the past couple seasons. Like, people are going to gun for this team. Right, right. I mean, as I said, it's not like, it, it's not like oh, people are thinking, oh, they're ranked number four, we don't have to worry about them. Like, that, that is not mm-hmm. at all how it's going to work. I mean, everybody has seen what Purdue is capable of this year. No one is going to take a game off when they play Purdue. And the sooner mm-hmm. we realize that, I think the better off we'll be. It's just although at the same time you don't want Purdue fans to flip the script on that and say oh well you know we lost some game to let's say like a Northwestern team and then say oh yeah they gave them their best shot like you still you have to you have to level your expectation and I don't think myself included I don't think the Purdue fan base is very good with uh managing their expectations for sports teams. Uh, I think that's fair, but tell me more about that, especially with basketball. Well, I mean, I can't say much about basketball. I mean, yes, there's been a couple heartbreak games ever since I've started watching Purdue, Um, but when I started watching Purdue basketball, they have done nothing but be successful. So I know there's been some rougher years before I came to school, but... You expect this team perennially to get to a Sweet 16 now, but just there's always something in the back of your head, even when you know that, okay, this might be a little bit more of a down year. Okay, this is our year. This is the year Purdue does it. So you love to expect that, and Purdue has a tendency to go on some hot streaks, and you start saying, okay, this is it. This is what we're going to do. And then they sort of revert back to the norm where it's a little bit lower. It's still a successful season, but we like to latch on to how they're doing and say, okay, this is the end result. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, you know, Casey and I went to cover uh, last year's Sweet 16 when we played St. Peter's. So we were we were there in person for that game. And even when the game was, you know, back and forth and we were starting to get worried we were like, you know, Purdue's going to take care of it. We've got a lot of talent on this team. We'll pull it out in the end. It might just just might not be pretty um, because there was a broken bracket. It really looked like this was Purdue's chance to get to the Final Four, and, of course, we know how that worked out. Um, yeah. You know, Purdue has had years where they were beset by injuries. Um, you know, we had Hummel's numerous injuries uh, that mm-hmm. derailed a couple seasons, and we've had academic problems. If you go all the way back to um, the year Purdue won in the Great Alaskan Shootout, I think in – uh, the late 90s um, with Booker, then he was ruled academically ineligible. I mean, there's been a lot uh, that has gone wrong season to season. Um, Glenn Robinson, of course, hurting his back in the NCAA tournament. And Isaac Haas. Yeah, yeah. Isaac Haas's elbow. I completely mm-hmm. forgot about that one. Maybe I just blanked it, uh, repressed it from my memory. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, a lot has gone wrong for this Purdue team, and I grant that. So there, I understand the logic of being a little bit scared, but – that's no way to watch sporting events. You know, you can't go into it being so scared all the time. It takes so much joy and so much fun out of it. And 
I I just want Purdue fans to accept that we're good and enjoy the season. Yes, it makes things a little stressful, but it should make for one heck of a season. And it it's going to be a good season. It's going to be fun to watch. And I just I just want everybody to enjoy it and accept that good things can come our way. And <laughs> and you don't have to feel cursed because of that. Yeah, and this is coming from a Cubs fan too. Oh yeah, there you go. That's like, even... Yeah, so I I get my fair share of curses. So right, right. I, I mean that curse was broken. That's so... right. Yeah. If if I mean if the Cubs can win, anybody can. So yeah. <laughs> um, and for those uh, who are keeping up with the Big Ten, uh, Wisconsin just stole a game on the road from Iowa in overtime, seventy-eight seventy-five. Iowa turned the ball over twice in overtime in the last minute. Um, to to lose the game, and they still had a, a three-point shot to possibly tie, uh, and it didn't fall. So that moves Iowa to 0-1 in the conference and uh, Wisconsin to 2-0, and which uh, it may have been better for Purdue in the long run for Wisconsin to lose that game, uh, but early on in the season, you just really don't have any idea of how things are going to shake out. Um, I remember a few years back, well, gosh, it had to have been a, a maybe even 10 years back now, uh, maybe even more, rooting against IU in an early season game when they played Wisconsin. And Wisconsin uh, banked a, a bucket in at the very end of the game to win. And ultimately, I you know was, was happy because IU lost. But at the end of the year, if that game had gone the other way, Purdue would have won the Big Ten. Wow. So, I mean, you just you never know this early, but you, you try to figure out what you can uh, to help your team uh, get there. But, you know... Having watched some Big Ten this year, do you have uh, any thought of who you think could be a contender for the title as of now? I mean, besides the obvious, I think Purdue will be right up there. Just they've shown that they can be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly didn't think Wisconsin would be able to score 78 points in a game this season. Yeah, so, me either. Until you remember that they're playing Iowa, who lets up more points than anybody it yeah, seems not, yeah not not known for their uh defense yeah which you know flip the basketball and football roles and you have iowa yeah that's true um i think michigan just Jawan howard has such a talented team that it seems like they should be up there um same thing with michigan state and indiana they both have the talent and Izzo always seems to be in the top three in the Big Ten, so we'll see about Indiana, whether or not they're truly back or just frauds like normal. Right. <laughs> um, we'll see. I mean, they lost to Arizona in Vegas this week, so Indiana's back. I believe it was Travis who put the word on to the next part of the Indiana coach cycle, which is denial. Right, yeah, I saw – um Gosh, what is the the reporter from the Indy Star who, after uh, IU beat Arizona, was like, I'd still rather be IU than Arizona today. Uh, yep. Okay, you just lost to them, so I'm not sure where you're getting that from, but you do you, Mr. Indy Star guy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think the Big Ten is going to be interesting again this year. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I don't think, with two games for most teams played, I don't think we really know um how it's going to shake out yet but i appreciate you giving it a shot there so yeah well i know the women's basketball played today i believe they won they won yep Yep. they beat illinois state 
Uh, yes. Yeah, and they're off to a much better start this year than than in recent years. And I think a lot yeah. of that really does have to do with with the coaching change, putting Katie Gerald's yeah. in charge. Um, it really seemed like most of the team did not want to play uh, for the previous coach, uh, Sharon Versup, and seemingly mm-hmm. seemingly for uh, for good reason. Um, now that a lot of stuff has come out about her being uh, a bit of a bully to the team and everything else, so I'm uh, right. really glad Purdue can hopefully right this ship um, and get back to their winning ways they've had historically. They currently sit at nine and two on the season, um, so. You know, we're moving in the right direction, and you love to see that. Absolutely. And kind of bringing it a full circle, you kind of hope that football can do something similar. I mean, you want your you want your coach painters and your coach Gerald. Um, so there's hope for the coaching search still. Yep. yep. We'll see what that brings this week, too. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, uh, I'm guessing by the time we record our next podcast, we'll have much more to talk about on that front. So. Mm-hmm. Until then, thank you all for listening. For Ryan and myself, boiler up. Hammer down.